Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. I am so excited. I feel like I say that before everyone, but they're all just so exciting. <laughs> so I'm here with Amanda. She is with an organization called the Victory Collective, but I know I will butcher an introduction on that. And so Amanda, will you introduce yourself? <laughs> tell us about your family, <laughs> soon to be grown family, and then tell us about a little bit about what the Victory Collective is, and then we'll dive into like why that started and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. First, thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I love the mission of your podcast. I've recently listened to all of the other episodes on an airplane, so I'm just so excited. But yeah, my name is Amanda. I am 27 years old. I'm from Virginia, but I currently live in a super teeny tiny border town in Texas because my husband is in the Air Force. So we're kind of in the middle of nowhere right now, but soon to move to North Carolina. So a lot of big things coming up. We're having a baby boy in July which is exciting. exciting. (laughs) And then we'll move in October. So a lot of big things. Uh, I have awesome parents. I have an older brother and a younger sister. All of them are back in Virginia. And I went to Virginia Tech. I was a creative writing major. And I now go to Liberty University online for nonprofit management. But yeah, when I moved to Del Rio, I'm telling you, there's nothing to do here. Like it is the tiniest... (laughs) tiniest little town. So I started grad school and I'm also a writer for a marketing company online, but I also started a ministry with my best friend, Katie called the Victory Collective. And yeah, I'll get more, more in depth into that when I tell my story, because that kind of has a significant role in it. But basically we're just an online women's ministry. We help women kind of navigate their own porn recovery journeys So we operate mainly out of Instagram. We have an awesome community on there. And we just try to make it kind of easy for women to find resources for themselves in their own porn recovery journeys, because that's something that we did not have (laughs) in our own journeys. So that's kind of the gist of it. But I love it. Yeah. So cool. We have we have twinner families. I have an older brother and a younger sister. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's super cool. You're kind of like all over the place. Like you are all over the nation. You got family everywhere. You moved everywhere. Do you like it? Do you like like the constant travel? I do. I love travel. Good. Love travel. Right before I got married, I was living in Uganda for two years. Wow. And so I'm just I love different cultures. I love traveling the world. And so I did not grow up in a military family, but my husband did. So he's super used to it. And I'm not necessarily used to it, but it's so exciting to me. Like, (laughs) I love the idea of like having a fresh start somewhere and just like getting to see a bunch of different places and meet new people. So I'm excited for it. This is our first, this is our first assignment or his first assignment. So, okay, uh, yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, honestly, like not everyone can say that. So like that, you know, if it works, yeah. it works. Like that's so cool that it's, yeah, works out. super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And so exciting about your baby boy. I know. <laughs> I swear my baby bump just popped in like the last two weeks. Oh, are you serious? It's actually like 
looks like I'm pregnant now. <laughs> so it's starting to feel a little bit more real because I can yeah. like feel him kick and everything. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. That is so exciting. That is amazing. Okay. So let's just dive right in. I want to hear like how did pornography start for you and then how did that lead into you leading like this amazing ministry? And you also said, I can't remember if you mentioned it, but you said it's like a Christian ministry, mm-hmm. right? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my story started back in eighth grade. I was 13 and I got my first boyfriend and it was one of those little like dinky little middle school relationships that maybe lasted like two weeks. I don't know. But I got this boyfriend and I was so terrified to do anything physical with him and by physical I mean like sit next to him on the school bus and hold his hand like anything it just made me so nervous Uh and so it got me thinking about the fact that I had to kiss somebody one day like not this boy but like my future husband like I would have to kiss him and I was like so terrified I was like I don't know how to kiss people like how do you how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And so I turned to YouTube, which was dangerous, <laughs> and I just watched like kissing videos from like kissing scenes from romance movies, like mm-hmm. The Notebook. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, how does Rachel McAdams kiss? <laughs> Let me learn from this. And so it started off pretty innocently. Like I was mm-hmm. just really nervous, and I was a young girl, and that's how I thought was best to learn. Mm-hmm. But because I of the content that I was searching on YouTube, you know, they have a bunch of suggested YouTube videos on the side. Mm-hmm. So I just clicked on those because usually they, they were just other like romance videos. But one video I clicked on was a video of two girls kissing and they were topless. And it immediately like branded itself in my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. But also like, this is kind of exciting. Like so many emotions at the same time of, I knew it was, I knew I shouldn't be watching this. I was nervous that my mom was going to walk, walk in, but I was also like wanting to watch more. Mm -hmm. And so from then on, I started looking up that kind of content on YouTube, but very quickly became desensitized to the content I was able to find on YouTube. There aren't a lot of filters on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but enough that I kind of hit the wall with what I was able to find. So that's when I decided to Google the word porn. And I honestly couldn't even tell you where I heard that word. Like, I think it was just from some people at school or maybe on a movie or something, but I knew that it had something to do with what I was watching and could maybe give me kind of that high that I had been feeling that I wasn't feeling anymore through the YouTube videos. So I Googled the word porn and I just clicked on the first link that came up. And I remember when the screen opened, I literally said the words, this is awesome out loud. Um, And like thinking back to that, I'm like, little Amanda, no, it's not awesome. (laughs) It's not awesome. Like I just want to scoop her up. But but at the time I was like, this is something that I've never seen before. And I was getting so many feelings that I had never felt before. And again, it was that combination of like, 
oh, I really hope my mom doesn't walk in and I know that this is not okay, but also I don't really care, you know? Mm. And so from then on, I started watching porn videos like every day, multiple times a day. I would be like excited to watch them when I got home from school. If I wasn't watching them, I would be thinking about them on vacations. Like I would make sure to go into the bathroom and watch porn. So it was all consuming and this went on for probably about a year. And I, at this point, I knew the Lord, like I had grown up in a Christian family and, but I didn't really have like a personal relationship with him yet. And so I just, I just kind of knew that he probably wasn't approving of this, but I really didn't care. At mm-hmm. that point, I really didn't experience any like remorse for what I was doing until about a year in. The way I describe it is I kind of like woke up from a trance. Mm. Like that whole year of just, I was just watching porn, like absolutely no remorse or thought about it. But about a year in, I think I had tried to stop and I realized I couldn't, like I I couldn't not watch porn. Like I had to every day, or at least I felt like I had to. And that's when I kind of realized that this had become a serious problem for me, not just something that I could like, oh, I'll stop anytime. Like this was actually a serious problem. So I told my mom, I emailed my mom because I was way too nervous to tell her. (laughs) I emailed her and I told her that I had clicked on a viral link that opened up a bunch of porn websites on my computer. My sneaky way of of trying to get her to help, but Mm -hmm. totally lying about it. And she, I had never talked with them about porn, but she just kind of explained to me like, you know, that there are really bad things in the world and that she was sorry that I had to see them. And, you know, that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. And then she did something on my computer. Like, I don't know if she just deleted my browser history or if she like put on a parental filter or something, Mm -hmm. but I was too nervous to test it. So things got better for a little while until I got an iPod touch for Christmas, AKA easy access to the internet that Mm -hmm. you can take into the bathroom or into your room. And so I, I started picking it back up, but this time it was just overwhelming shame about it. Like it wasn't how it was previously where it was just new, exciting, rebellious feelings. It was like all-consuming shame. So you said, so you're in eighth grade. So, oh my gosh, how old are people in eighth grade? Like 14? Yeah, 13, 14. 13, 14. And then you said there was about a, did you say there was a year? And then you emailed, told your mom. Okay. I want to say it was my freshman year when I emailed my mom. Okay. I don't remember exactly when the high school years just kind of blend together for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. There was some time in there I told my mom and then like that following Christmas I got an iPod touch. Okay, gotcha. And okay. then for the rest of high school it was kind of just like kind of a blur because yeah. <laughs> I'm like I don't you know, it was a time in my life when I was really trying to stop watching porn, but mm-hmm. I was doing everything in my own power to stop. And it wasn't working. Mm. Uh, I was 110% convinced that I was the only girl in the world to watch porn because I, you know, listening to the other podcast episodes on your podcast, it sounds like we all have pretty similar experiences within like the church of 
church leaders kind of implying that this is not a girl's issue. Right. Like I and remember I would yeah. You're you're Christian, but I forgot to ask what denomination. Um, yeah. So I grew up non-denomination. Okay. I go to a Baptist church now, but at the time my home church was non-denominational. Okay. Cool. And so the pastor would be on stage and anytime he would mention pornography, it would be like men if you struggle with porn or women if your husbands struggle with <laughs> yeah. porn. And it was never targeted towards women and I would just mm. like sink into myself and be like oh my gosh, I am alone, like 100% alone. I even had, I didn't have this happen to me, but my spiritual mentor in college went to the same church as me. And she had an experience at this church where, you know, they separated them into girls and guys, small groups, and they were going to talk about porn. And she was so eager because she was like, finally, this is my chance to tell someone I'm struggling. And her small group leader told them, well, because this is a boy's issue, like we're just going to have a little hangout sesh today. Like we're not even going to talk about it. And she said that just like totally shut her down. She's like, well, that's it. I'm never telling anyone. And it's so sad. And that's, that's 100% where I was in high school. And there was one moment where I just really knew that I wasn't overcoming this on my own and that I needed help. So I wrote Katie, who I now run the Victory Collective with, I wrote her a note and it was just this long note explaining everything. Mm -hmm. And how did you know Katie? We met in high school. We met in ninth grade. Okay. So we had drama class together and just quickly became best friends. So I had known her, I think this was junior year, senior year, something like that. So I had known her for like a couple years at this point. Mm -hmm. And we spent every day together, like we did everything together. And so I thought that I trusted her enough with this information. And so I wrote her a note and the end of it, I, I think I said, like, I totally understand if you don't want to be my friend anymore, mm-hmm. like, or if you look at me differently, which again is so sad to think so back, sad. but I chickened out and I ended up ripping it up and throwing it into a river. <laughs> that's intense. I was so nervous yeah. that if I just put it in a trash can, yeah, someone like someone was going to find it. Yeah. Like, like my family just digs through trash cans. Like that's shame. <laughs> that was 100% shame talking. <laughs> but sure. um, but I, I mean, I, that, yeah. that definitely does like speak to the extent of like, I cannot have anyone. Yeah, this, literally like, this no is... sign. Yeah. Yeah. No chance that anyone could read this letter. So I mm-hmm. threw it in the river. And I swore, I remember like promising God that day. I was like, this is between you and me. Like, I am not even telling my future husband, literally no one is going to know this. And if I'm going to get out of it, like this has to be between me and you. Mm. And so then, and obviously that's not what happened, (laughs) but my freshman year of college, at the end of the year, all the campus ministries and like denominations come together for like a really big worship night. And it's an awesome event. But at the end of this worship night, I finally got like a moment of confidence. (laughs) Like I was still really, really nervous, but I got like this little sliver of peace about telling Katie. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I just need to take this moment and like run with it because it's not going to happen again. Do you remember if there was anything that like specifically sparked it or is it just kind of like a spirit, like you were just feeling it? 
Yeah, I don't remember if there was anything that someone said. I just remember it was an awesome worship night and I was just like full of the spirit at that yeah. time. And I think it was just that piece of like, now is your chance. Like, yeah. And so I texted her, really long text message. It's probably very similar to the note that I wrote. Mm-hmm. But I, again, ended it with like, totally understand if you look at me differently or if you think I'm disgusting, but I just like needed you to know this. And I remember I was in line for Jamba Juice and I got a text message from her. I got two text messages in a row and I read the second one first and it said, I can't believe this. And in like one second in my brain, my thoughts were like, she hates me. Like this, literally, I just lost my best friend. Like she, it was just so much shame. And like, I was almost crying because I'm like, in this one text message for like two seconds that I read, those were the thoughts in my head. Yeah. And, but then I read her first text message and it said, I am literally crying right now because I'm in the exact same situation. Oh my gosh. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is, I was mind blown. And she was at a concert or something. So we couldn't even talk right away. Uh-huh. And so, but we talked on the phone like the next day. And both of us were just completely mind blown because her struggle, and hopefully she'll get on the podcast too, but her struggle also began at the same time as mine. And we became friends in ninth grade. So the entire time we were friends, we were both secretly struggling with porn addictions. And we told each other literally everything. And we did not mention this. And I would have never, ever guessed that she was going through that because I was convinced I was alone. So it was, I'm telling you, the weight that lifted off of my shoulders when I found out she also struggled with porn. Not that I wished that upon her, but I was so happy to finally know that somebody else was going through this Mm -hmm. and my best friend who I could now talk to. And it was just so relieving. So cool. So after that moment, we tried to keep each other accountable. Mm -hmm. We had no idea what we were doing, but for like the next year, you know, we would send Bible verses to each other every day. We would be like, oh, if you're tempted, like give me a call or text me or something. But as you probably know, that's really easy to just not do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy to just watch porn and say you didn't. Mm-hmm. And so we both struggled with that because we were still really like deep in our struggles. And then we also used a lot of fear-based tactics, which like looking back, I know that's not God's character and that's not his plan for our healing. So they they didn't work. We would do things like, if you watch porn, you have to pay me a dollar or if you watch porn, you have to like tell your dad or just <laughs> oh, no. like all of these threats basically. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't work at all. And it, and it made us like even more afraid to share with one another. Right. Yeah. So fear-based tactics do not work. That's wanna, not. Sorry. Yeah. Can I interrupt for like two yeah. seconds? I love that you said you're like, you're like, yeah, we used all these fear-based tactics and that is not like the nature of God. Because I think a lot of times we're like, well, yeah, I mean, like, justice. (laughs) Like, we have to, you know, like, God will punish us for our sins and stuff. But what would you say, I mean, having run this ministry and having, like, talked with so many women and, like, being in a place of, like, recovery, 
what would you say is the nature of God regarding that? Mm. I have learned so much about his grace throughout my recovery process and just sharing with other people. And so I would say gracious. I mean, he doesn't, he grieves that we're in this sin, but we were just reading the other day in small group in Romans, and I don't remember where it is in Romans, but it was talking about how God meets us in our weakness. Hmm. And I think that's so true for this. And we, you know, in my recovery too, like I would constantly feel like God was so disappointed in me and that if I, if I sinned again, he was going to leave me and just abandon me or that he was just constantly like, all right, you have like one more chance and then that's it. And so I would try everything to like not watch porn, but it was all based out of fear that my God was going to abandon me. Mm-hmm. And that's not who he is at all. Like he's so gracious and he meets us in that weakness and he knows what we're going through. Like he was tempted by it. And so looking back, it's just so sad to me that I like spent so many years just feeling like God was condemning me. And like he was like, I had to endure some sort of punishment in order to like make up for what I did. And that's just not God's grace at all. Yeah. You're, yeah. I love it. And I I love like the switch of thinking of like oh I'm not gonna watch porn because God will abandon me to like I'm not gonna watch porn because that is me following God and that's Mm -hmm. me like choosing this higher way and like it's so much more like I think sometimes God probably looks down and he's like you guys like it's so much more hopeful than this like yeah you don't need to be putting all of these 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 fear-based tactics and all these limits on yourself like this Mm -hmm. is my gospel is a gospel of hope you know yeah I love it. Anyway, continue with this story. Yeah. So we tried to kind of keep each other accountable for like a year. But my sophomore year of college, I felt like I needed someone physically with me because Katie and I went to different schools in different states. So we were not close. Yeah. And it was really easy for me to get away with stuff virtually. Like I could just easily lie to her because I didn't have to look her in the eyes, you know. And so I felt like I needed someone physically with me. So I chose to tell my Bible study leader at the time, just this super, super sweet girl. And I ended up telling her, and she was one of the few people who did not also struggle with porn. Like that stands out in my mind because almost every other person I've told has had some struggle with porn, Hmm. but she didn't personally struggle with that, which was honestly so what I needed at the time. I think people are really nervous to open up to people who have not struggled with porn because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, they they won't understand what I'm going through and they'll like yeah. judge me for it. But she did not judge me at all. She was so gracious. She was so loving and she was still able to relate to parts of my story. Like everyone struggles with something mm-hmm. and that vulnerability leads to vulnerability. And so it was just so refreshing for me to like be met with so much grace, even though I knew she didn't have any experience with pornography herself. So that was really good. And we just had an awesome talk and she prayed with me and she could, because she couldn't like personally relate how she blessed me was by trying to look up resources for me, which unfortunately at the time there were like none for women. Yep. Yeah. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm trying to find 
I'm like, I know there aren't any, but she was able to find Dirty Girls Come Clean by Crystal mm-hmm. Raynaud. And I told her I would not buy that myself because, again, shame. My debit card statement went back to my parents' house. Mm. And I was so afraid that somewhere on it, it would say the name of the book and they would ask me about it. So I'm like, I can't buy this. Like, I don't Mm. want my parents to find out. So she bought it for me and gifted it to me, which was so sweet. And that was a huge milestone for me because it was the first time two things. The book is full of other women's testimonies. And so it was the first time I was like, okay, it's not just me. It's not just me and Katie. It's me, Katie, and a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. And I was reading testimonies that were so wildly similar to my own that I was like, does, do we all just go through the same story? (laughs) Like, this is crazy. And then it's also full of a bunch of awesome, like questions to help you process what you're going through. And that was the first time I had ever done anything like that, like actually sitting down and processing. And so that was huge for me. And so then, I mean, the my college years were so healing for me. So not to like rush through all of it, but I'll just kind of sum it up. Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of my college years, I ended up telling 15 girls my story. Oh. And it was like, different friends, small groups, small group leaders, mentors, and 12 of those 15 also struggled with porn. Wow. And that to me was life-changing because the, I just saw how prevalent it is. Like I saw how many people struggled with this and all of them were like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only girl. You know, we all had the same story and I'm sure you're in a similar boat. (laughs) Yeah. Of like noticing, like realizing just how many people struggle with this. Mm -hmm. So that was really healing for me. And then also the people who did not struggle with porn. Again, that vulnerability leads to vulnerability thing is so real because I would open up about my struggle and they would, you know, I had one friend tell me about something she was going through that she had never told anyone before, but because of my vulnerability with her, like she felt comfortable telling me. So even if she didn't struggle with porn, it was such a healing conversation for both of us Mm -hmm. because we were finally able to like have that like intimacy with one another. So it was just super healing. And I grew to like love confession because I was like, it's almost guaranteed that this girl is going to struggle with porn also. But if not, it's still such a beautiful design like that God gave us like to confess to one another and like walk alongside one another. So yeah, college was awesome for me. I was, for the first time, intentionally discipled by a friend of mine my junior year. We would just meet at Starbucks every other week and talk about life and God. And part of it was my struggles with porn, but it was mostly just like leaning into who God is and like what he says about me and just how I navigate this life like with my faith. And the more I grew to know God's character and to know what he says about me, the more I also started healing from porn and from a lot of the shame that I was still carrying from being a girl who struggles with porn. And so that was really significant healing for me. And then it just was kind of baby steps to healing from then on. (laughs) Like I, God revealed so much to me over the years and I had to, you know, I mean, 
it didn't stop. I had plenty of relapses over the next few years, but I learned to respond to them with grace instead of feeling like God was going to condemn me. I was like quicker to confess to people. I actually set boundaries in place to like help me. If I was like, okay, this is why I was triggered this time. Like, let me do something about that. Mm -hmm. And so it got way more, way easier, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say easier because it wasn't easy. But the temptation got less. Mm-hmm. I'll say. Yeah, it totally does. And I like I have like I've totally noticed that, too. I mean, you hear people say like, oh, yeah, like once an addict, always an addict. And I don't even like saying like addiction yeah. or whatever. But like people are like, well, yeah, if like that's a temptation that you have, like you're just going to deal with it for the rest of your life. And I think that it is really, really good to approach it super strategically and say okay it's a like this is always going to be a possibility that Mm -hmm. it will come up again and so I have to like put those safeguards in place and like know how how that temptation works for me but like as you do that it really does become easier like my temptations and stuff have become less and less and less and like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean you're like giving your brain space to rewire itself yeah like your brain is literally changing as you're not watching porn and yeah you have that room to learn more about God and his character and stuff and you just like you know I crave that more than I crave porn now and yeah it does definitely change but like you said I I mean to this day I still have accountable to you on my devices even though I have haven't watched porn in years but I still have it because there have been moments of super intense temptation that still comes up. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm really happy that I still have this boundary <laughs> because like I could have easily just fallen back into that. So yeah. definitely what, what is it called? Accountable to you. What is what is it? it? Have you heard of Covenant Eyes? I think I like, have, but software? yeah. Okay. It's like it's like Covenant Eyes, but it's just an accountability software. Okay, cool. That you can put on your devices that flags it based on word searches. Uh, So my husband receives like weekly reports of what I search and he'll get like red flags. It's actually kind of funny because with the Victory Collective, I have to do a lot of like research and stuff. So he constantly gets texts on his phone (laughs) that are like, (laughs) it's just some, you know, fight the new drug article or something. And he's like, I know that it's nothing, but <laughs> but it will like flag him or it'll send him a text message if I've looked up something that's concerning. Mm, that's cool. And so that that was one of the guardrails that I put into play back in college that has been really helpful for me. And I still I still have it in place. That's I cool. don't know if I'll ever get rid of it because it's just a good it's cheap and it's a good way to <laughs> stop yeah. me from falling back into temptation yeah, yeah cool I'll, yeah. I'll put that for anyone interested in that I'll put like a link to that in the show notes because yeah cool we have I'll send you the and we have a, a promo code that you can oh. get a month free cool. if you like want to just try it and see what it does okay cool perfect but right. awesome. anyways Okay. But the Victory Collective. Yes, the Victory Collective. Got to dive into that. (laughs) This concludes part one of this podcast. Head on over to part two to hear the rest of Amanda's story. And thank you so much for listening.